Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is Monday morning. It's the 4th of February already. I want to tell you guys I'm so proud of my switchboard over here because it's all lit up and they were just saying on the news, because I woke up so early that I actually watched the news already, um, that this is the one day that they have the highest rates of calling in sick after the Super Bowl. You can believe that. And our Rams lost from L.A. First year with the team, first time. I mean, we've gone to the Super Bowl in one year, so they're looking forward till next year. But crazy day yesterday, a lot of hope, a lot of dreams, and we left with still a lot of hope and a lot of dreams. But today's show, it's one of the biggest shows I could ever think to do because teaching us and reminding us, I guess, that God is one. And we all say it. I remember when I was a kid and we used to say it. And then I would wonder why we went to different churches. And when I saw Christ, never hit me because I never really thought about Christ prior to seeing him. Only because I was Muslim, but I had no basis. What I was just didn't matter. To Christ, I was I was a soul. I thought he may have came to the wrong person. In my mind, stuff was racing, and I was saying, you know, because he came so easily that I thought he came easily, period. But he does come easily to us. Just not everyone has the job of doing a certain work or has a certain calling. We each come here to do something, and one isn't better than the other. And there is no soul more important than another. So if no soul is more important than another, and there is no soul left behind, then our avenue to God, community, through our religion, through our way of thinking, is all we actually need. Religions form a way of life. All of the echelons to get you to God It's not that we don't need them because some people need to have something to strive for or to feel like they're doing things right. But the bigger question was the younger people who are finding me, and I'm talking in like middle to late 20s, early 30s, right in there where their lives are starting to make sense to them, where they're saying, okay, I finished school I'm going on with my life. I need to plan for a future. How do I want to live my life? How do I use a belief system to work in my life? How do I start to save money when it's hard to save money, when things cost me more, or that I just flat out overspend, which was one of the things we talked about, was overspending and being impulsive. And I really thought about that for a while because I thought, well, how do you talk about God being one without making somebody feel that their investment in religion 
is a choice. It's not a have to. If you feel a relationship with God, and then Christ said something very important. What religion does is brings us together. It gives us something to talk about, something to explore, something to discuss, something to go over all the mysteries of Christ and God. It keeps the conversation flowing. It keeps us thinking. So then I, I said to myself, well, you know what, though? A lot of younger people are naturally just not going to church. They just either work it out of their life if they did it when they were younger and may return to it when they have children themselves. We don't know. But these are people who don't have children yet, who are in an age group where in my generation people had, you know, one or two by then. When I was my daughter's age, I was pregnant with number two. My daughter's telling me, wow, how would I fit a child into my work schedule and my home schedule? I'm already trying to catch up. And I thought, well, you got to move to a smaller town and get out of L.A. because it's just too fast-paced. It's a lot of work. It costs a lot of money to live here. But when you think about God, we do think of God as one. If we go, and I've visited many, many churches, some need a lot of your involvement, want you there, make you feel bad if you don't show up Wednesday for Bible study and Thursday to help do something else. And they keep telling you every time you do one thing, you can always do more. And before you know it, that's all you're doing. And then there's somewhere you just go every Sunday They don't ask much of you. They ask for volunteers. They probably need more than they're asking for. Everyone had its own environment and its own way of asking and its own way of functioning and what they offer you as somebody who goes, what kind of programs, what kind of youth programs. There's a lot going on in there. But at the end of the day, when you go to bed at night, it's just you and God. You and God. And that's huge coming from me, who's Muslim, and was told that, you know, you know, I have to say, after I saw Christ, I felt very guilty for not feeling a need, not a want, a need to do the things I was raised to do to be good to God, to gain God's love, to gain God's favor, to get good luck, to let things work out in my life. Because that's how I was taught. So I would assume that in at least my generation, even maybe 10 years younger and, and anybody older, we were taught with guilt if we didn't do those things or fear or doubt or worry or we wouldn't be successful. But God is bigger than that, way bigger than that. And we have shrunk him and put him in a building. And I remember the first year I saw Christ and I started visiting a bunch of different kinds of churches because you would be shocked at all the different ways to God. And some of them I left feeling like, wow, that was so cool. And others I left like I would literally lease my life away 
And it didn't matter which way I left. My relationship with God was intact no matter what I saw. And I also remember before I saw Christ, when I had children, and I loved my kids. I mean, there's no way you have a child in, in normal circumstances and you you have, you know, carried this child and you have this child and then you see the child and then you want to take care of the child and this deep need to make sure everything is okay. I remember saying to myself, God, I love you first. I love my kids second, care of myself third. Like I had that order. I, I remember it as clear as day. I remember what time of day it was because I never thought about how much I loved God because it was just a natural feeling when I had kids. And after I saw Christ, that's when Christ told me love is love is love. It's just that the relationships are different. Everyone is number one. It's just your relationship with that person is different. So my relationship with God is different than my relationship with my children, than my relationship with myself. But I don't need an order. Didn't know how to quantify my feelings towards God. But there was more to it. And these questions came up on my page last week, and I I really want to address them. One person who's been listening to the show for quite some time said, well, what is self-love? I'm kind of confused about what self-love means. And I thought about that, and I thought, if we can build a bridge between how we love God, stand and really believe that God loves us, because he does, without question, you can do nothing to pierce God's love for you. You can even go as far as pretending it's not there because you're mad because something happened that you wish didn't. Still there, still loves you. But it's you that doesn't love you. It's you that's mad at you. It's you that can't get past what you didn't get that you thought you needed or deserved or wanted. So there's a lot of differences between God's love and our love. God loves us, and I I really hesitate to use the word unconditionally because unconditionally, unconditionally is saying no matter what I do, which is true, but we start putting people to that test, and people have a hard time living to that because we do get upset. We do feel betrayed. We do get angry. And as we grow and experience life, we know how to deal with that. God knows we're going to do that. We're not sure, so sure, we're going to do that. And younger people who have come to me definitely don't feel worthy of God's love. They haven't been taught to see themselves as part of God on earth. Because every single one of us, Every single one of us came from somewhere. We didn't just drop from the sky and, you know, show up running on earth. We, were, we had to be born through someone, which we cannot duplicate. We cannot duplicate a birth other than how we get pregnant and how 
we deliver children. And where does all that come from? And until, you know, someone can duplicate these things and they tell me, well, I don't believe in God. And I say, wow, are you, you know, having a hard time? The miracles. Because to God, (laughs) the miracles are that we are born, that we do come through someone, that we can't have a child without two people being involved, meaning we need each other, yet we have different gifts. It's all right here. It's just that we're overlooking the fact that we can hear, we can see, we have arms, we have legs, we can walk, we can talk. We all have 24 hours a day. We all have free will. We can do what we want. And we can do all of that before we even know what religion we are. We can be born with or without religion. And what's happening to us is that religion is a chosen way of life. We saw it as a tradition, as my family's been Catholic all this time, and we're, you know, Catholic. Okay, great. That just tells me what kind of practice you follow to get to God. Someone tells me they're Muslim. I say, okay, great. I know exactly what they believe they need to do to get to God. But why doesn't the Catholic need to do what the Muslim does? Why doesn't the Muslim need to do what the Baptist does? Why does the atheist not have to do any of it? And we do. Why does the agnostic? So we have evolved out of the ways to God to knowing that the ways we have chosen or were born into were choices made either for us or through us. That they are choices. And that was the hardest thing for me to accept. Because when I saw Christ, I felt really guilty, like I betrayed my background, like I did something wrong. Like, how could I, you know, not do the stuff I was raised? How could I not fast for 30 days? How could I, you know, not pray five times a day? And I thought, geez, I'm praying all day. Forget the five times. It's just I don't do it formally. I don't do it that way. I tried doing it that way, but it felt made me feel contrived, and that was way before I saw Christ. And I remember I was 17 years old, and I came home from work, and I had to make up all five prayers, which was going to take me 45 minutes to do. Actually, it was four because I did the early morning one. And it was going to take me 45 minutes to do, and I still had homework, and that was after coming home from work. And I remember sitting there and saying to God, is this really what you want from me? I just came here and rushed through these prayers. I don't even remember what I said. And now I'm sitting here questioning myself. And that warm feeling I got, although I didn't see Christ then, was exactly how I felt later on when I did see Christ. Only this time I saw him. But at that time, I had no idea Christ was present in my life, especially being Muslim, but Christ is there all the time. And when you talk to God and you really are coming clean with how you feel about God, we can't be scared to ask questions. I had that same feeling, but I didn't know what I didn't know. The only other time I had that feeling was when I saw him. 
I just didn't see him. Just were sincere. And why do you want me to do this for your love when I felt your love before I learned how to do this? Now I don't feel it like I used to. Now I feel like I'm beating a clock trying to earn your love after I felt like I had already been loved. Self-love is not what we do for ourselves. It's how we behave inside our, our own souls, inside our own bodies, what we let our body do and not do, where we take it. It's understanding there is a bridge between you and God. Because we love God. It's an innate feeling, even when we fight it, even when I talk to atheists. And, and, and one thing I love about an atheist mind is that every time you do talk to them, it's always about them being atheists. And why? And the reason I love that is because we actually get to talk about God. Or the agnostic, the people who question. I never, ever once tried to convince anyone come to know. I tell them, but I have no interest, no investment in trying to convince people. Because I know, because Christ knew when he taught me that if he tells me the truth, The truth will do the work. It leads me to greater knowledge of myself, which is the only way we will seek greater knowledge outside of ourselves. So I am following that example by telling the truth and letting the truth do the work, feeling the love and letting the love do the work because it does do the work because it's a propelling energy. It only goes forward. Telling the truth never makes a situation worse. I don't care how much we think it will. Oh, we could never tell them the truth. But once you do tell them the truth, you realize how big we all are because the truth we can deal with. If we lied to someone and they built a future on that lie, how good is that future? There actually is no future behind the lie. If we don't love someone and we tell them we do, how long are we going to be able to stay there? Not very long. The lie cannot propel. But the truth can. Love can. Purity can. We don't forget those moments throughout our lives. We remember a teacher who told us the truth. We remember an adult when we were a child who truly loved us enough to guide us without needing anything back from us, like good behavior or anything that gets imposed on us as a child. A child will behave well if you really believe that they could do that on their own. I know it sounds crazy because they say, but it's my kid. They're not, they don't know any better. Well, yeah, they kind of do. You just don't know that they know. But they do. And the only way I can tell you that is if any of us as parents died right this minute, our kids will find a way. Even if it's not pretty, they will find a way. They will survive because we are natural survivors. Nobody doesn't want to survive. And it may hurt like heck when you're gone. 
and they have to go through the grieving and they have to, and we can't save them from it because we're not here. So they're going to make it with or without you. They're going to make Khalil Gibran said, your children come through you, not from you. And now I have young people asking me who all have parents that are alive and well for the most part. Why do we have so many different religions? I say, because those are all different ways that we have found to follow and or live. But those eventually, not today, but eventually may be community centers for us based on the principles of God. Because the bottom line is we all know what's good and what isn't. We all know what's right and what isn't. We don't have to cram it down each other's throats. But like children, if we believe in each other and we don't cut each other up for what color our skin is, what religion we are, where we're from in the world, what we were born, or have prejudices based on economic stature, one way or the other, picking on each other, making fun of each other that we think are better than us or less than us. We wouldn't have the problems we have in our world. And we're starting to see that. And having wars, physical wars, where we actually send human beings to go hurt other human beings. There's no other reason. We may say we're protecting, but we're protecting with bodies that have the potential of getting hurt. We're not going to need to do that anymore. When our world starts to, what Christ called, blend, when we start to blend, and You know, if you look through history, America was the first blending that we really saw outside of here and there because everyone who came here met other people who came here, and now all of us are mixed. We're doing Ancestry.com to figure out where, who we really are because now we've lost track to show you how little it matters. I'm 15% Italian and 10% Arabic. If I sent it in, I may find out I'm not even Arabic at all, but I speak the language. Because just like religions, it's no longer mattering if your body is. A soul is a soul is a soul is a soul. God is one. He does not belong to any church, he belongs to all churches. He belongs to all ways of thought because if it's coming from us and we are from God, we also are all churches. We also are all ways of life. Said to me when people would say, you know, the 1% or the us and the them and the this and the that. And Christ said, there is no us in them. There's only an us. And if some of us hurt each other, we need to find ways to remove them from the rest of us or they're going to continue to hurt us. Somebody is good to us. We need to use them more amongst each other because they will band us together. 
If somebody has a job to do, like research, let's support that person because they will bring to us new forms of information and intellect. Teach everyone the same thing because not everyone needs the same thing. We are all different. But before we are all different, we are all the same. We are all the same, and then we are all different, and then we are all the same again. We're all the same in our basic needs, what we need to actually live and survive. We need food, we need water, we need sleep. Without those three, we will not be able to even access our gifts or our talents because we'll be stuck trying to get our basic needs met. But once we access our gifts and our talents and we have what we offer to each other, because it's never just leads into sharing. And then we are all the same again in what we want and desire in life. So if you want something and you want it really bad, instead of thinking, you know, I only want that, everybody wants something really bad. Otherwise, we'd have no reason to wake up every day. But God... God is ahead of us on that one. And we didn't come here to know that. We came here to grow and experience to find that out. And once we do find that out, something in us, it's like that building block story starts to build into higher thought. And then from that higher thought, we start building into even higher thought. And the more we go into learning about the love and depth of God, We feel content. We feel safe. We feel like we have a chance here. And we do. Every single one of us has a chance. Wherever you are right now, I don't care where in the world you are, what time of day it is, what you do for a living, where you go, what church you belong to, what church you don't belong to, whatever it is, no matter how sad you feel or happy you feel, God is rooting for you to learn. Because the only reason why you are even here is because you chose to come learn. You know God. You've seen him before you came here. And you will see him again. But right here, this is where free will kicks in. So self-love is understanding we are connected because we make different decisions when we feel loved, when we feel cared for, when judgment is not present. There was another thing on my page talking about God testing us. God does not, he doesn't need to. The tests that we get in life aren't pass or fail. They are to try or not try. And we have free will, but we don't get tested for him. But our experiences, if you want to call it testing, which is what Christ called it, but testing ourselves, you know, when they say, well, test yourself, well, try. Because you can see when you think of it as a test as what is the best answer? And you may not find it the first time, but you can always try again. There's only leeway to grow 
only leeway to try. When we talk about change, we, we want to change, but we think of change as negative. We get skeptical when we hear about God because we think, what does the person want from me? Why are they telling me that? Because love has kind of gotten on the fringes of life, and we're now reeling it back in, bridging souls back to themselves, reeling God's love back into our thoughts, back into our hearts, back into believing that we're even worthy. God isn't big and scary. We're the big and scary. God is love. God is love. Only love. I only have 10 seconds. I can't believe this show is already over. I love you guys so very much. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.